0: Heavenly Father, we ask that as we look at your word that gives life, that we would have your spirit help us understand what you are teaching us this morning. Help me get out of the way of what your spirit is teaching and let my words be your words and your words impact us because we have ready, listening ears. Thank you. We give you thanks and praise in advance. And it is by the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, One of my favorite theologians said that this is a very challenging book. Pastor Logan said it this way. He's my favorite theologian. Get that? All right. He said it this way, James is like a punch in the face because it comes right at us and actually buffets up against things that are difficult, well-held things in our lives. So this morning, we have a problem. We have a problem because we have this credo, this thing that we have on the front of our, our pulpit here that gives us the essence of the problem. If you look closer, it, it says that, that we live by Scripture alone, by faith alone, in grace alone, in Christ alone, glory to God alone. That phrase that says, I keep looking up there, you keep putting it away, you're funny. <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of jokers, those guys on the thing. Right here it says, it's faith alone. And we hold that deeply. If you don't, you need to learn some theology. But yet it creates a problem because when we read this, we can see out of uh, Ephesians 2, where Paul says very clearly that we live by faith alone. For by grace you have been saved, he says, through faith there's not This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of what? Works, so that no one may boast. Good so far. Let's read one of the verses out of our passage that seems to be a good summary verse for what James is saying here. Verse 24, he says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, so we have a problem. Do we have uh, a conflict between the apostle Paul and the apostle James? Can both be true? Well, let me expand the problem, because there there are special words within here, words like faith and works and saved Sometimes the authors will use the same word in different ways, but that doesn't help us because to be uh, have faith is the faith that Paul talks about, that saving faith that I put in Jesus Christ for my salvation that he went to a cross and paid for my sin, and now I live now and eternally with him in his kingdom. Well, what about works? Many commentators or uh, translators would take words out of James, uh, works out of James and use word deeds or actions, because it is so negatively tainted because of Paul saying, hey, works are not the thing that, that gets us saved. No, works is the same word. It's good deeds lived out in love because of faith of Jesus. What about being saved? Same word. When I'm saved in Paul, I'm saved in, in James in the same way. I was lost eternally. When Jesus Christ came into my life through faith, I was redeemed. I don't have to face judgment with fear. I get to live with Him and heaven forever. Saved. Those words don't help us very much figure out what's going on. Well, how can we? Almost every biblical writer, when they write, write a letter, they are addressing a challenge or answering a question because of a problem. James is doing that too. And we have to come to the right question. So the natural question that you might ask is, are works necessary? Are works necessary? He talks all about works. Is that the question? No, that's not the question that he's answering. Okay, well, it must be about faith, because he talks all about faith. Is faith the question? Is faith necessary? And is that the question that he's answering in this passage? Nope. He assumes. James assumes faith is necessary. So what is the question? The question is, What kind of faith is necessary? What kind of faith? The quality of the faith that is necessary for salvation. Now that is the question. So as we begin to pour over this, we are going to look at this passage where James, he will make a statement about what he believes about faith and works, and then he will support it. He does that a number of times. The first one starts in verse fourteen, and it talks about uh, the talks about faith and works, and it goes like this: What what good is it, my brothers, if someone has faith but has not works? Can his faith save him? In other words. What kind of quality of faith? Is that it? Can that save him? That's a statement about faith, and now he's going to support it with an example. It's a negative example, showing us what the faith is not like. He says, verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and you, one of you says to him, Go, be in peace, be warm and filled without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? We know what the answer to the rhetorical question is. There's no good in that. They're empty words. Have you ever hired a company? They come out and they're going to fix your whatever. And you say, ABC company, come out and fix my whatever. They say, we're a good company. Say, okay, glad I hired you. They don't show up on time when they were supposed to come. They look at you, whatever. They don't really seem to know what they're doing to fix it. They don't fix it. It's broken. They leave anyways. You call them up. Nobody's there at the, at the place. When they do bill you, finally they bill you too much, and there's nobody around to, to discuss the bill. What would you conclude? They aren't a good company. Right. Their words are empty. James makes a conclusion about his statement too. He goes on, he says, so verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He says dead faith is not the kind of faith that we need. When he talks about dead faith, he's talking about something that is no longer energized or never was energized. Okay, not necessarily it was alive, now it's dead. It's kind of like a battery, a rechargeable battery, which is more like a capacitor. I sound pretty impressive, right? A capacitor... It's like a battery in the sense that it can store power, but it's different that it doesn't have power making in and of itself. It has to be given power to be able to have power. James is talking about death, dead faith. Looks like this thing. We'll call it a battery, but he's saying it's not a battery until it can do what a battery does. A capacitor can't do anything. Unless it's filled from the outside with energy, then it can give energy out. When it has no energy in it, it is dead. When our faith has nothing, no energy behind it, so that we are acting out, it is dead. James goes on, and uh, we have a hard time understanding how hard he's hitting here. I'll try to explain a little bit to you. But he talks about faith, again, relating to works. And he asks us to consider what's happening when uh, he talks about faith, that is belief in faith alone. Verse 18, he says, but someone will say, Now he's using a rhetorical uh, tool to, to have this conversation with an opponent that he's just making up. He says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So you show me this ethereal thing you call faith, the belief that you have. You show it to me, and I will be impressed. But I will show you in a very real and tangible way my faith by what I do. He goes on to to talk to his audience, which is Jewish people, and that will become very important in a minute. His people that are receiving this letter are Jewish from descent, like he is, and are now uh, believers. And he says to them, you believe that God is one, you do well. What we don't know about this is that that phrase is out of a very old phrase called the Shema, it's out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, and they used to repeat, Jews used to repeat that on a regular basis to reaffirm their faith. They say, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he is one, he is the one God, the, he's a unit, and as Christians we say, yes, we, we believe in a one God, So he's kind of poking at the Jewish belief that people would say every day. And how do I know that? Because of the next phrase. He says, even the demons believe and shudder. So this famous phrase that you always say in the morning and maybe twice a day that you believe that God and you believe in this, well, the demons believe In God, in some way. So he's equating belief all by itself that has no outworking with what the demons believe. You know, the demons really have pretty good faith in the sense of they accurately know who God is, they actually have a very good picture about his sovereignty, of his power, of his holiness. They have all the facts about him. That's why they shudder. It is a fear response when you're encountering a supernatural being. But do they have saving faith? Is it enough? The answer is no. Because this dead faith is more like demon faith, according to to James. He goes on to tell us another kind of faith that is not the kind of faith that is necessary. He calls it useless faith. Our faith needs to be not useless faith. Chapter 2, verse 20 goes on to say, do you want to be shown, O oh foolish person, still talking to this hypothetical person, do you want to be shown, oh foolish person, lost my place, that faith apart from works is useless. Useless is the Greek word that it has no use. So faith without works doesn't work, he says in the Greek. And he uses two powerful examples. First one is Abraham. Abraham to Jewish people and to us as Christians And especially if you're a Jewish Christian back then listening to James, Abraham would be a very, very, very important person. The father, he calls him our father, the father not just of an ancestry, but father of their faith. He's like the epitome, the top of believing people. He's the example. James uses him to help them understand what he really means. But he also uses a person by the name of Rahab, who in the Old Testament is called a innkeeper. Here, she's called a prostitute. Probably more accurate. Somebody that is kind of on the low end of things, that doesn't have any value for example, isn't the kind of person to say, hey, honey, when you grow up, baby doll, I hope you're like Rahab. Like Rahab. All right, you guys are being tough today. <laughs> the examples are very telling in that they use the top and the worst example, but both can be justified, and both have faith and have uh, the works that support that that faith. But before we go any further, we have to look at justification according to Paul and James, because this is where some of the major rub happens. Paul gives a very succinct definition of what he believes justification to be justified uh, is by faith in Romans chapter five, verse one. He says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Very clear, that's why it's on our little uh, plaque and everybody believes it. Paul it's very clear that, that justification, salvation is by faith alone. But we're gonna read a few verses out of this passage that James is speaking that seems to be somewhat at conflict verse 21. It says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Verse 24, we read it earlier. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Verse 25, and in the same way, was not Also, Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. They're justified by works. Was it justified by works like Paul of faith or like works, like James? It gets to be a little confusing. Now, I said all the words are used exactly the same that are key in this passage. Justify means justification, but there is a nuanced difference in in James' perspective versus Paul's perspective. It's kind of where they are looking at justification as a point of view. Paul is looking at it and saying, I need to combat what is going on in this new Christian church all around the world. Because he wrote letters like Romans, To combat what was going on and what he was fighting was the belief that to become a Christian, you had to fully become a Jewish person. Well, Paul was the the, uh, apostle to Gentiles. And as we go through Acts, you see that God has made revelation that there is no need to become a Jew before you're a Christian. You don't need to do these works. So Paul stresses time and time and time and time again that, that sal- saving faith is, is by faith alone. Salvation is by faith alone. Justification is by faith alone in Jesus Christ who does all the work. When we look at James, on the other hand, he looks at it from the perspective that, that would be part of his Jewish heritage that when somebody looks at somebody's life, they are determined as righteous because they look at their behavior that is an illustration, that is an outflow of the righteousness, the justification that they have. The base word of those two are the same. So the fact is, is that the perspective is different. Douglas Moo, a commentator that Pastor Logan uh, shared with me, shares a a comment that will be helpful here, I think. He says this, so justify in Paul refers to how a person gets into relationship with God, while in James it connotes what the relationship must ultimately look like to receive God's final approval. When it talks about Justification or being justified—it's about thinking about judgment that you are made right before God. The perspective might be different, but the faith and the primary of that, primary nature of that, is the same. I have a, a good friend. I've mentioned him multiple cases, named John. We worked together at at uh, a church in Southern California. And we were on the youth staff together. I was kind of his assistant, and we were at a staff meeting. And at the staff meeting was 25 leaders or so, mostly volunteer leaders. And one fiery young leader got up and and started criticizing John in front of everybody, saying, your vision isn't right. We're not following through. in these." whatever it was, I don't even remember the content. But I, I remember I learned something that day that uh, my brother John was pretty mature Christian and I wasn't. I was hopping mad. I wanted to tackle that guy. And so we worked through it and we talked about it, got through that meeting, went to work the next day, and I marched into John's office and I said, we need to fire that volunteer. He said, Doug, we're not going to fire the volunteer. <laughs> well, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to learn, we're going to grow, we're going to remain in unity. We're gonna take the things that, that 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 person said, and we're gonna we're gonna grow from them, and we're we're gonna move on, and we're gonna love each other that way. Okay. I said great. Before or after, we punch him in the face. <laughs> we're not gonna punch him in the face. Dog. Oh, I tell you, I wasn't that mature. Still, probably would feel that way. But here's what what I learned in that. My friend John. Is a man of character. He's a man who is a man of character who follows the biblical nature of being a person of character. And I found out that because somebody had come against him in an unfair fashion and brought criticism that hurt him, but yet he he responded with biblical character to this wrong that had happened to him. I saw his character by his behavior character is one of those ethereal things like faith you don't see them that you don't have them because you say you have them you have them because you have them and they should be illustrated by what you do so now we need to move back to our main question what was that so what kind of faith is necessary I think James lands in just the right place verse 22. He says about Abraham's actions, you see his you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Okay, most of us would get a little uncomfortable with that. that we're adding something to faith called works and completing faith with works. To understand what James is saying when he's putting faith, acting alongside of works, it is that the faith is primary in the language and the works are reactionary. They're not equals. When it talks about faith is completing, being completed by works, it would be similar to you have a great painting, a massive, beautiful work of art, being displayed for the first time in a museum. And there is a big opening, open house, and there's a great showing to happen, but the the painting is veiled so that we can see it when we all get there. And we get there and we gaze. Wait, wait. And suddenly the veil is removed to reveal the great work of art. James is talking in that language. When he says faith is completed, that means it is shown, it is revealed, it is complete masterpiece already of itself. It's the works that unveil it and let it be seen and shown to the world. I think Paul would agree with James. Galatians chapter 5 Verse 6 he says something very interesting. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. That those works don't count for anything. What does count? But only faith working through love. It's that faith you see that causes us to love that is primary to Paul. Not doing all that other And again, Ephesians, we talked about why it's on the the pulpit is primarily in Paul's writings. Ephesians that we read earlier goes on in verse 10 to say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sounds like James. In some ways, And if Paul hypothetically had a conversation with James, they may have had this conversation, they lived at the same time. Paul would say, well, works don't matter. And James would say, okay, well, Paul, when you said that we have good works to walk in it, if somebody is walking in those good works through believing in Jesus, can you see a genuine faith? there? Paul would probably agree, of course. So the conclusion of Paul and James are the same. I want to read what is fascinating that they both use the exact same phrase about Abraham to prove their point. Verse 23 goes on and It says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. That believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, Paul uses all over the place. It is the number one example he uses to prove that before all the acts of the law, because the law didn't exist, Abraham was justified, was saved by his faith, was declared right. It was all those years of believing actions that demonstrated this, that James now picks up on and says that Abraham is justified His justification in faith is revealed by his works, just like Abraham. So the conclusion of Paul and James are exactly the same. So if we are going to respond to what James is teaching us, it would make sense that we would be living it out. How do we live this out? Now, if I would say, go out and improve your work for the Lord, you'd be climbing up the, the, the right ladder leaning up against the wrong building. It isn't, I hope, you see, teaching you about how to work better, but it's teaching you how to believe in the right way. There's a scripture I just couldn't get away from. It's James 1.18, and when we read it in our reading plan, it just jumped out at me, and it kept coming back to me this, this week, and I kept asking the Lord, how is this, you know, is this to be a part of what's going on? And it seemed to kind of come together that this is how we live it out. Let's look at that scripture. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I see the way we have to live out this faith in action. We've been talking about what kind of faith is necessary. It is the kind of faith that is active, that is living out, that you see it in our behavior. It's live out faith. And look at this first phrase. It says, of his own will he brought us forth. If you are gonna be the kind of person that lives out this kind of living faith, and your works are going to reflect it, you have to connect to the source. It is him. It is God who brought us forth, who who gave us birth, as another translation says, that rebirth is his will, and that's where it starts. In John three, Jesus is talking with the the woman at the well and he says, well, if you ask, the person who asked you for the water, he would have given you living water that would be a source of life to other people, to you. We have to connect to the source. Look at that next phrase. Go ahead and put it up there, uh, Alex. It says that we have been reborn through the word of truth. We need to stay connected to the source. We need to stay connected to the source. James chapter four says that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. It is absolutely necessary that we stay connected. If we have not started a relationship with Jesus, we have no power, we have no ability. We are an empty capacitor with no ability to live out. Good work. But secondly, if we don't continue to be connected to Jesus, our power spiritually drains. John 15, Jesus talks of himself, and he says, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. Abide or live in me, and you can bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing if we don't stay connected to the source. We will not be able to live out this living thing. And the third thing is we need to let the source flow through us. The end of the verse says this, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. We are the first fruits. Tony Lauder's made a comment on our Bible study. He said that to a Jewish person, the first fruits were the best and perfect fruits. He's uh, assigning us as the firstfruits from God by faith in Jesus Christ that we can be his fruit in the world. Yeah. Is that exciting? But it is only through the source, Jesus, flowing through us. You can see very clearly, James is not asking about works or faith but the quality, the kind of faith we need, which is evidenced by the loving good deeds that we are doing. We cannot do that unless we connect and stay connected and allow the source to flow through us. Join me in prayer. Jesus, you are our source of eternal life of power that that exists to live and to be people who live and love the way you want us to. Without you, Jesus, nothing changes. With you, Jesus, everything changes. We are grateful that James challenged us because we are just like people in the New Testament times, prone to push things beyond. But James helps us see that by your power, our faith can both exist and be lived out to the glory of Jesus. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you for being with us and teaching us today. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we all pray. Amen.